Hey church, we are in our Advent series. I know it's a week earlier than, than normal, than Advent is supposed to be, but we all love Christmas. So we're starting it a week earlier, as Missy said earlier. And um, we're in our series called Kingdom Christmas, where we'll be going through Matthew chapters one and two. And this week we're going through the genealogy. And actually next week we'll also go through the genealogy. So we'll do it in two parts. We'll focus on um, certain men in the genealogy this week, and then next week we'll fo focus on certain women in the genealogy. And, and so today we want to just get started off with uh, just, just prayer, because I want us to just center our hearts on Christ. This is, it's a season where uh, we are anticipating something, right? That's Advent. It's, it's a beginning. It's, it's an anticipation of what's to come. And we're all anticipating Christ's birth here. And I want us to, uh, I want us to celebrate that together this morning. I want us to reflect on that together. I want us to meditate on that together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. And we ask that you would just speak to us, that our hearts would be open to you, that our minds would be open to you. And that uh, as we reflect on Christ together, that you would just form us and transform us and transfigure us according to who Jesus is. We ask this in your name. Amen. So I want to start off with this bowl here. And uh, we're going to talk about the Japanese art form of kintsugi to start out with. And some of you guys may be familiar with this, but for those of you, of you who aren't, kintsugi is a picture of brokenness made whole. And, and so here's, some, here's what we do. So we're going to take uh, this cloth. And guys, I've never done this before. This is the first time I'm doing this <laughs> on camera for you. One take here. Uh, the cloth is an important part here. We're going to put the bowl here. We're going to put the cloth inside. Now, before I do that, actually, let's talk about this bowl. So here you have this white bowl. It's pristine. It's whole. And most of us, we view ourselves like this. Right? Or we think we're like this. Or, I should say, a lot of us know we're broken, but this is the image of ourselves we project to others. Right? Go to Instagram and Facebook and uh, TikTok and Snapchat's still a thing. If it is, go on there too. Um, and this is the image we put before other people. Twitter, right? Um, but we know we're broken. And so we're going to see the reality of that right now. So we're going to put the cloth in here. And this is how Kintsugi starts. Now, it didn't... I don't think it started intentionally this way. It's a centuries-old Japanese art form that uh, tried to make broken things whole again. So we're going to have to break this. I got my trusty little hammer here. Um, I know, it's a little mini hammer. It's kind of cool. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to try to hammer this thing and, and, <laughs> and break it. I'm a little nervous. So I don't know exactly how hard to hit this thing. So I'm not. Ex I'm, I'm like, okay. Well, I may have to hit it a couple times. We're we're gonna try this thing. Hopefully, I don't like smash my finger or, or some shards don't cut me or something. Because we're only gonna do this in one take. If I get cut, we'll just keep on rolling. All right. Oh. I heard that. 
So you hear the pieces break. Now we take it out. Oh, beautiful. Oh, wow, beautiful. Okay. So you see these broken pieces here. Let me show you. There's four pieces. And what you do in Kintsugi, now we're going to do a modified version of it, because what you would normally do in Kintsugi, Kintsugi, is put these back together with glue. So you would glue all of this back together. And then once you've glued it back together, you'd file it down. So you'll see it doesn't quite match, right, because it's broken. So you'd file this down. And then you would take gold paint and put it through here. So I don't have the Kintsugi gold paint, but I do have my kids' 3D fabric premium quality glitter gold puff paint. So we're going to check. We're going to try this out with this piece right here. So I can show you what it would look like. So then you would fill the gaps. You would fill the gaps. Oh, there we go. Now it's going to look prettier than this when you do it. Because um, we would have a brush. But you'd fill the gaps with paint like this. So you have this, this bowl that is gold, and you do it on the inside and the outside. You have this bowl that is now filled with golden paint, and it becomes an art piece. So the, the bowl, in all its brokenness, is made whole again, and it's actually more beautiful and more valuable than it was before. You see, uh, Kintsugi isn't about perfection. It's about connection. And connection is what leads you to wholeness. And so if we were to put this bowl together and, and really make it work, it would look beautiful like this, like this picture. Here's, here's our bowl. Uh, you can see on this picture. Now, that's not actually our bowl. That's not, I didn't construct this bowl and make it that. But you can see that picture, it has even more pieces. We have four pieces here. Can you imagine what it takes to... I'm going to put this down. Can you imagine what it takes... And I'm going to put this aside. One second. Can you imagine what it takes to put all those pieces together? If you have 50 pieces of a bowl all put together, and how much uh, work and how much attention has to be put into each piece to glue it back together. And so you see here, Kintsugi, uh, in this brokenness, is a metaphor for the Christian life. It's, it's we're broken and God takes all the pieces. He's the potter with the clay. He, as Jeremiah says, he takes all the pieces and he puts them back together. And the result is we're more beautiful and more valuable than we were before. Because when he's painting us with gold, He's painting us with the blood of Christ Jesus. It's the map of, of God's work in your life. And you can trace and you say, yes, that's where that brokenness happened and God filled it in with his goodness. Yes, that's where that brokenness happened and God filled it in with his holiness. That's where I experienced God's forgiveness. That's where I experienced God's mercy and it was so amazing. It was so beautiful. It was so glorious.
Like that's Kintsugi. So as we go into into uh, Matthew chapter one here, I want us to remember this kingdom principle because over the next four weeks of Advent, which is five weeks for us because we have a collective rally in the middle there, um, over the next four weeks of these weekly rallies here, I'm going to give you a kingdom principle for each week for this passage that I want you to remember uh, that we're going to focus on. So this week, it's if we can accept our brokenness, we will see God work in us. If we can accept our brokenness, we will see God work in us. That's Kintsugi. That's, that's the path of the blood of Christ covering our sin. It's, it's filling in the holes. It's filling in the gaps. And so as we go here to uh, Matthew chapter 1, you'll see in verse 1 that this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So there's a three-part framework here. We'll go with the son of Abraham first. We'll see that Jesus is the son of Abraham in the first chapter, or sorry, first paragraph. The second paragraph, we'll see that Jesus is the son of David, right? So, son of Abraham, Jesus is like a Jew of Jews, right? Son of David, he is the king of kings, right? And then you have this next paragraph that leads to Jesus after the deportation to Babylon. And so that's the framework for the first 17 verses here. And guys, this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I know a lot of you, when you read the Bible, you might just, just skip over all this because a bunch of names we can't, uh, we can't pronounce or we don't recognize. Um, but this is showing the consummation of all things. It's the advent. It's showing we were waiting for this person to come. We're waiting for Messiah. We're waiting for the Christ. And we were waiting all of history, all of this back here. We've been waiting for him. We've been searching for him. We've been looking. We've been anticipating. And now all of these names are a reminder of faithfulness that led to Jesus Christ coming in the form of a servant here on earth to rescue us, to come and save you. That's why this is so beautiful. But here's the thing. Uh, Not everyone in this genealogy is great. Actually, everyone in this genealogy is broken. And it's through their brokenness, and as they accepted their brokenness, that we can now look at these names and see God's work in us, for us, through us, with us. We can see God working in them and through them and for them and with them. And that's the beauty of this genealogy here. This isn't a, uh, just for, for uh, you guys who love Bible study, this isn't a physical ancestry, uh, uh, a physical or genealogy of physical descent for Jesus. Um, this is a legal Ancestry. This is a legal descent, right? It's showing he's a Jew of Jews. It's showing he's, he's uh, going to be the king of kings, right? Uh, obviously, it's not physical because it ends with Joseph uh, having Jesus, and Joseph isn't the true father of Jesus. He raised him here on earth, but we know that God the Father is, the fa- is, uh, is our father. So um, Jesus is God, so he didn't, have, he didn't have Joseph as his father. He had God as his father. So... Um, 
just to want to make that clear here that this isn't a physical descent here, right? Because Jesus comes through Mary, the virgin birth. So uh, check out this first name in, in, in verse 2 here. Uh, we see Abraham. It says Abraham, and, and guys, what is behind this? So all you see is Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and you can just read right over that. But behind each name, there's an immense story of God moving, of God working, of God uh, using Abraham, of Abraham submitting, of Abraham not submitting, of Abraham being obedient, of Abraham being disobedient, right? And we see the first name on the list here is not a man who was perfect. This isn't about perfection, remember? It's about connection. Right? These aren't, this isn't about perfect people, it's about penitent people. And so Abraham, we see way back in Genesis, he's not even, guys, Abraham starts from zero. Abraham uh, comes out of a polytheistic, pluralistic, uh, pagan culture. And Yahweh, God, calls him out of that and Abraham follows him. And so throughout Genesis, we see Abraham learning who God is. We see him learning who this new, this Lord is, who Yahweh is. And so he stumbles along the way, right? God promises him things, then he takes it into his own hands. God says, you'll be safe, and he lies in order to, to secure, uh, uh, secure uh, his own safety. And, uh, and so we see Abraham stumble time and time again. But the Bible recognizes his trajectory of faithfulness and of righteousness, and it praises him for it. And so we have Abraham here, and he may actually be, <laughs> he may actually be the best one on the list here, because then we go to Jacob. I mean, Jacob's name actually means deceiver, right? Jacob, he deceives his dad, he deceives his brother, he steals his brother's birthright, he steals his brother's blessing, he, um, and then he gets gets his own and he gets deceived by Laban, his new father-in-law, in return. Um, there's, and Jacob's life is one of just, just struggle and hardship, which is why he gets named Israel, right? It's, it's his struggle with God. Right? That's what that name means. He's struggling, he's wrestling. And, and so Jacob is next, and then you go, uh, the father, Jacob is the father of Judah and his brothers. So Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah here. So Judah's the fourth in line, right? So here you have the lineage of Jesus, not come through the first person, uh, through the firstborn son, which would be Reuben, not come through the secondborn son, which is Simeon, not even the thirdborn son, which is Levi. It comes through the fourthborn son, Judah. Was that because he was the best? He was, he was the best one? No, it wasn't. It was because Reuben, Simeon, and Levi all dishonored their father in different ways and disqualified themselves. So Judah was just next man up. And he wasn't all that great. So, and you can go back to Genesis to see why. Um, these are all imperfect people in their brokenness. But at the same time, Judah receives a blessing from Jacob, from Israel, his father, that the scepter of the king is not going to pass from his lineage. That, he, that, that through his, his line, the king will come. 
And, and so uh, Judah is blessed in that way because even through all his brokenness, even through all his imperfection, he's still trying to pursue the Lord. And, and so that, that leads us on down a few different names. You, you see Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's where he messes up. I think Genesis 47, somewhere around there. Um, I might have gotten that wrong. Um, and then it goes on down there uh, all the way to verse 8. It says, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And so here's David. The scriptures describe as a man after God's own heart. And David has written a lot of psalms. A lot of the, the Old Testament is actually about him. And he's this, he's like, uh, he's just this, this pinnacle of kinghood. And, and so you have David here. And then David starts out uh, in verse 6 there, was the father of Solomon. But David, even though he's described as a man after God's own heart, he messed up royally. No pun intended, pun kind of intended. I just thought of that. So he royally messed up. And, and he, he ended up wanting someone else's wife. Basically took her for his own, then killed the husband, and then um, took her as his wife. I mean, and he had everything. He had everything he could have ever wanted, right? And still he took from someone else. Not just someone else, but one of his closest friends who was devoted to him. And you see that in the, in the scriptures. And David, David took that from him. So he committed an egregious, egregious sin. That's where Psalm 51 comes in where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cleanse me with his separate, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Uh, because he, is, he becomes broken. I mean, he is broken. He realizes his brokenness. And... And he repents before the Lord. And, and the Lord uses him. And through, through um, that, actually, through that relationship, um, the first child dies. Uh, the, the next child is Solomon. Uh, and Solomon uh, is, is also a person who just not so great, right? The Bible actually says he was great in his early years, then he got worse as he got older, which is... Unusual. Normally, it's the other way around, right? You're kind of rebellious in your early years, and you get better as you get older. But Solomon was the opposite because he just had everything, um, and it corrupted him. Basically, all of what Deuteronomy uh, prophesies or, or where, where the Lord says, don't have your kings do this, Solomon does those things. I think Deuteronomy um, 17 or somewhere around there. So here you have David leading to Solomon, and then you have these 13 kings who follow afterwards. And not, uh, so you have 13 here, and the Bible puts kings into two categories. Kings who did what was good in the sight of the Lord, and kings who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And in, in these 13, seven of them are evil kings. And so you see through this lineage, you see that, brokenness is, is just so pervasive and so prevalent. These kings, if they're evil, they're leading the nation into evil. You know, they're erecting the high places. They're doing idol worship. They're, 
sacrificing to their gods. They're going to war when they shouldn't. They're leading people to their death. So um, you have seven of these 13 that are evil kings, and most of the kings in the scriptures are, are evil because here you have Judah and then you have Israel that had separated after, after um, Solomon and with his sons. So this is just one of the kingdoms, and, and, uh, and over half of them are, are evil here. And, and so, guys, just brokenness after brokenness, uh, and then that leads, we'll, we'll come back to 12 through 15 next week. Uh, but so jump down to verse 16 here, and it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph. So basically what you have here is some anonymity, right? And then it comes to Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And Joseph is a carpenter, um, and he's from Nazareth. Now, we'll see in a couple weeks, he's actually, his hometown is Bethlehem, but he lives in, he lives in Nazareth. They're in Nazareth. So, Nazareth, as Nathaniel says in the book of John, what good can come out of Nazareth when he hears that Jesus is from Nazareth? He says, what good can come out of there? That was everyone's opinion of Nazareth. So, Joseph and Mary, they come out of a broken town. They come out of a town where people say, there is no good in that place. Like, what, what, can, what good can ever come out of there? And so there's brokenness, and there's, there's hardship, and there's suffering, and there's, um, there's maybe evil, right? And, and so this is, what, this is the context that Mary and Joseph come out of. And so, jump back up to verse 1, because I want to give you some insight here into this entire passage. Because we've been highlighting the brokenness of, of these men, of, and it's still how God used them to bring the Messiah. But this whole book of Matthew, this whole section of 17 verses, starts out with the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, a Jew of Jews, the king of kings. And that word for genealogy there is the word Genesis. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is a new beginning. This is a this is a new creation. This is God in us. We see that all through this passage that if we can accept our brokenness, we will see God in us. This is, this, is a, this is a beginning. And I know for many of you, um, we're coming to the end of the year, and it may have been a tough year. You may not have thought, 2021 was going to go this way. And it may just be general. You may have thought, man, I thought COVID was, the pandemic was over, things are going to open back up, some semblance of normalcy was going to come back, and it, and it didn't, or it's come really slowly. Um, you may have not seen family in, in years. You may have uh, lost loved ones this, this, uh, this year, and, or your job, or 
or guys, it's just, I feel like this year has just been a year of brokenness and sadness for many people, just even in small things. Like, you're unsatisfied with your job, your marriage is just rocky, um, you feel lonely, like you just want, you just want a companion. You know, your kids are just, are, have just been wild. Um, you're dealing with physical sickness or, or mental sickness. You're emotionally just, just up and down. Um, you know, there's, there's sadness, there's grief, there's mourning, there's anger, there's, there's these emotions that are causing you to, to just dwell in darkness even. And in this Advent season and, and through this passage, through this genealogy, I want you to see that through brokenness and through the beauty of accepting that in God working in us, Jesus comes. Jesus comes to be with us. Jesus comes to dwell in us so that his spirit is, is in us and working through us. He's come to uh, not just overcome, but guys, he overcame because he tasted your sadness. He experienced it. He knew your depression. He, knew, he knows our mourning. He knows your struggle. He knows your struggle with sin. He knows your struggle with, with joy. He knows your struggle with just trying to make it in this life. And that's what actually helps him empathize. That's how he can actually empathize, because he, he put himself in our shoes. He put himself on this earth, and he experienced everything we've experienced. Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest in Jesus who is unable to, to sympathize and empathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been through everything that we've been through who can come to you now and, and be the lifter of your head, who can come into your brokenness and take that gold paint, the, the, the paint of his blood, and, and seal that brokenness so you can be made whole again. So that you can see your journey with Christ, that there's, there's a map of your journey with Christ. And guys, this isn't, as I prayed earlier, this isn't just a transformation. There's a word for that, in Greek, and that's not the word here. Right, this isn't just uh, a new upgrade. You know, it's not like I'm upgrading my phone. Like, Jesus isn't upgrading us and exchanging you for something new. Like, it's, it's not that either. It's not, there's a different word for that in Greek. Uh, this is a transfiguration that Jesus is doing in us. And there's a specific word for that. There's a, there's a transfiguration happening. There's a genesis happening. There's something new happening. As, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, there's a, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. As you see in, in, in the Gospels, Jesus, he's himself, but he's transfigured. He's glorified. And that's us. That's kintsugi. Right? It's, it's this genealogy is kintsugi. It's Jesus taking what is still us, what is broken, and making it whole again. It's why in Jesus' glorified body, he still has the nail-scarred hands. He still has 
the gash in his side, the scarring from that. It's because it's his greatest glory. That's his glory. That he suffered for you and for me. That he bled and died when he was sinless and innocent as a criminal on a cross in the form of a servant, obedient to death, yes, even death on a cross, so that he would be exalted, he would be glorified. And God the Father saw fit not to take away his glory, but to leave it as an indication, as a kintsugi, for us all to see that this was the path of suffering. It was his passion that he took for us. And so accept your brokenness, embrace your brokenness, because it's then that you'll see God work in us. Accept that and know that God is good in that, in, in those things, because he's there in us, with us, in those places to be the lifter of our heads. So accept your brokenness and you'll see God work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for just showing us the way. Thank you for showing us just who you are and how you came down to be us so that we could see a life fully lived in the Spirit of God and know that that's possible. So help each of us to see that map so that we can follow you, Jesus, more fully, more fervently. As a church, may we see that map of brokenness that even in our church as an organization, as a people of God, so we would see the way forward in the power of your Spirit. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for us. Amen.